Welcome to the Hayes Salespeople Podcast, where we talk to the brightest minds in modern sales and get their tips and advice on all things sales. I'm your interim host, Jenna Sachs from Salesloft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I'm excited to welcome Christian Kletzel to the podcast. Hey, Christian. Hey, Jenna. Excited to be here. Christian is the CEO and co-founder of UserGems, which is a pipeline generation software that helps revenue teams achieve their aggressive targets and conquer their pipeline anxiety by tracking power users and champions through their job changes. So Christian, a lot to talk about today. I know we really want to focus on that champion piece, which we've spoken about on this podcast a few times. But first, I want to know a little bit more about you. What is something that people don't always know about you? Fun fact, just something personal that you'd be willing to share with our listeners. I think the, the most interesting fun fact on my resume that always started a conversation is that I played world championship in foosball. And there was like a 100% hit rate whenever I showed my resume. And I think it also sounds really impressive, but it was actually really easy to participate in the world championship. I love that. I think so many people focus on their resumes being very succinctly what they've done in business. But to your point, the conversation starter is pretty, pretty important there. Like I mentioned, we've talked about champions, decision makers, multi-threading, all these different things that help you get the deal done um, on this podcast. But I think we want to come at this with a little bit of a different perspective and really talk about not only your champion and getting the deal done, but that lifetime value of a champion. So Christian, why don't you tell me what champion lifetime value means to you? Um, and I think it, it just every year, this is getting more interesting, just people changing their job more often. So in this case, so many companies always focus on the company lifetime value, which means the company becomes my customer and then they stay for several years and they bring in a certain amount of dollar overall. But what's actually really interesting is that it's not companies buying the product or using the product, it's individuals buying and using the product. And these individuals, if they're really happy with the product, they change their job, they go to a new company and that's where they can buy the product again. So we actually look into the the First, the way to measure how happy is some of the product is how often are they actually rebuying it at the new company. And so we really look into how many people do we have that bought the product several times? And then we look at, okay, what's the overall value here? And then that's for us, the, the champion lifetime value. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, even someone, you know, I've bought sales loft in the past and maybe I wasn't even the initial buyer, right? Um, before, obviously before I was here, um, but you know, one of my earlier companies, we bought sales loft. I was involved in a few meetings, right? I got more familiar with the product over time, but every company I've been to after that, with the exception of actually being at sales loft, um, I've had people reach out to me and they know, okay, you had this here. How did it go? You know, how, how can we make this a reality at your new company? Whether or not it was feasible at the time, could I actually buy the software? It was always in my mind. And it was always something that if other people, even within the company, had used Salesloft at a previous company and wanted to talk to me about it and wanted me to investigate it, then uh, you know I I already knew I was familiar with it enough and I had more support. So it's kind of you know something I, I've seen firsthand, but I've also seen other people come to me because they've used a product at a company before and they want to see how it goes. Yeah, and I think what's so interesting is like obviously like for the for the salesperson they should track when 
one of my customers changes their job and then um, reach out to them, bring them into the conversation, like start the conversation, bring them into the conversation if, if there's already one going on. But I think what's so interesting, once the company starts thinking about the champion lifetime value, that actually pretty much every department has an influence on that. Like it should actually start as a conversation that starts with the product team. Like the product team should think about how can I turn more of my users or more employees at my customer account into champions. And oftentimes we're actually limiting this by, for example, if we go with a seat-based strategy, it could be that we're limiting the number of people that actually use the product. So really the product team should think about how can I make sure that everyone in the organization uses my product. Customer success needs to make sure that everyone at the company has a really good experience. We should make sure that everyone's happy because as these people change, as you say, like I can either sell to them or they can help me with the deal at the new company. So I think a lot of companies focus on, you know, how do we make the product better for retaining our current customers at like you said, to that company lifetime value. But how do we make it so that users really, really love the product that we're offering and want to go, you know, they when they inevitably make a change that they want to come to us. So what other tactics do you think about when you're really building those user champions? I think that there's always a bunch of aspects. Like the first one is actually, once again, shifting the mindset from kind of like, B2B to a little bit B2C. Like we're not selling to businesses. We're selling to individual users. So I should think about like, why does the user love the product or what do I need to do for this user to love the product? Not the company, but the individual user. But um, the more straightforward one is actually that the CSM person should think a little bit like the salesperson. And what I mean by this, like I think salespeople are trained to, in every deal, I look into like, these are the people I'm talking to, this is the people I'm selling to, but who else um, should I bring into the conversation? Like which departments are not yet involved, but could also benefit. And so they're widening the people that, that they get in touch with. And the CSM is oftentimes I have my champion, I meet with my champion once a month, and, and that's the person I have the relationship with. But what we often don't do is actually look at the white space of who else could I be, like maybe sending the monthly updates just so they know what we're doing for them. Who else maybe recently joined the organization with the right title that I've never been in touch with that might not have heard about me? So the idea is everyone that should be familiar with what we are doing for them, let me proactively find them and proactively reach out to them and bring them into the conversation. So obviously this stems beyond just who you're bringing into the conversation. That goes along the vein of multi-threading, but even once you, the customer is already sold. Um, how are you looking at the overall user experience and the customer base that then passes on from one company to a next when they're using it? Once again, there's, there's two things here. Like the first one is making sure they're happy and how can I improve the happiness with the product, which is probably more a product decision than let's say a CSM or sales decision. But the second part is then how do I actually follow them when they change their job? So, so often like the salesperson is in touch with the buyer, they're connected on LinkedIn, they see the change, they can reach out. But this person that actually used the product, like let's say the, the um, SDR or AE that uses Salesloft and they move to a new organization, I'm probably not in touch with them as a seller, but this is actually the person that loved the product. And they might not even um, have a purchasing power at the next company, but they can influence. They can be the one, hey, I used Salesloft and I really, really loved it. And that makes it so much easier than for the buyer to say, okay, I'm going with that product. 
So it's really like, I think one is more product um, solution. So the product team needs to work on increasing the happiness. The other one is in the sales solution where it's about, let me track them. Let me see where they're going. So I know that user gems does a lot of this. Um, so, you know, I would love to hear more about how you look at those things and, and what success that you're seeing with your customers when they're tracking their power users or just regular users across their career life cycle. I think the, the really interesting thing is like there's, there's this straightforward um, solution that I should be doing, like tracking my bias. What we find really interesting is actually identifying target accounts based on the number of people that have used a product in the past. So this means if there's an organization that has, let's say, 10 past sales loft uh, users in there, then that's a really good story for me to actually get in touch with people in that organization. And I get in touch with the individuals and ask them, who should I be talking to? But then I also get in touch with the decision makers and, and mention, hey, there are already so many people in your organization that have previously used sales loft which means there will be really high adoption because it's very easy for them to get started, which I think is from a RevOps perspective, always really interesting. Like in terms of results, what we're seeing is the first one is that the response rates are much, much higher. We're looking at about 25% response rate when contacting past users. And we're looking about three to five X opportunity rate when reaching out to these people. So ultimately, this means uh, much higher results for the time investment that's necessary for the SDR or AE. That's a, that's a pretty big increase, um, especially when you look at it as what might have been a cold outreach and is now much further along than that. Um, you know, you also mentioned adoption. I think it's, a, you know, people are often skeptical about new softwares, new tools, especially if you're looking at, you know, a sales user, right? They are using so many different tools. They want to just make their lives easier. And sometimes they're skeptical about using it or taking the extra steps that it could cause. But if you have like you said, 10 salespeople there who have used the product who absolutely love it, then they're super excited about it. And you're now making the rest of the team excited about it too. It's not even just about getting that initial sale. It's about now you're even getting more lifetime champion value by having those users be excited from the get-go, having them adopt, you know, everything we talked about with product. And then it just kind of it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, we also use it very strategically. If we talk to someone who's not a past user, that we tell them, hey, in your organization, John and Jennifer already worked with user champs in the past. Go talk to them because it's, it's ultimately this internal voice that can tell you all the things about the product. And it really, really helps pushing the conversation forward. It's always good if they hear it from somebody internally. Hey, we want this. Um, but if you're evaluating something and you're already talking to someone and you have people internally that you can go back to, that's icing on the cake too, right? It's something where you can get the real lowdown of the product. And that's why you want them to love you. So the other thing that, that piqued my interest too is, uh, you know, just talking about the sheer value of looking at the, the penetration that a company has had, um, I guess penetration, that's the word. let me just say that again, <laughs> um, what also piqued my interest was looking at the sheer value that having multiple people at a company that have used your product in a past life. Um, and it, it's something that I think about often just being in RevOps. If you're looking at account prioritization, account scoring, you know, how do I optimize my book of business to really get as close to or, or blow my quota out of the water? Um, 
Is this something that you've seen customers use when using user gems in, in account scoring or, you know, how, how do the people go about doing that? So, I mean, account scoring, you, you look at the intent in the first place, and then you combine it with the number of champions that you have to, to score the accounts, to rank the account. I think it's, it's both like it should influence the scoring of the account and, and the prioritization, as well as once an account is prioritized, these are the first people I want to reach out. And I think we all know that it gets harder and harder to reach um, people in your outreach. Um, and so any customization you can do in your outreach, any previous relationship that you have with a person in that organization just makes it much easier. So for us, it really is like if we have any past champion in an account, so if an account gets scored highly based on intent or based on how many champions we have in there, the very first step is, okay, who are my past champions? And then I reach out to those, but then I also use this information and reach out to other people referencing them. And the benefit here is that both of my messages now appear customized. And we all know that customization ultimately leads to higher response rates. Absolutely. Cannot tell you how many times I've gotten a generic email and, you know, mail merge. Um, very clearly, no research has been done. And, and maybe I was the user of that product in, in the past. So obviously, this has just an exponential effect when people are leaving companies. We're seeing this happen all the time right now, right? Like it's a very, very weird time, weird economy. There's a lot going on, a lot of movement. Um, and I think a lot of companies are focused really on preserving their install base, keeping their customers that they have happy, and not maybe not thinking as much about how it might impact things when people leave. So how do you look at this for something related to churn prevention versus something that's offsetting churn by maybe getting that champion at another company and closing a new logo as a result? That's a very interesting question, especially right now. Like if I look at, at the beginning of the year, all of our conversations were about new business generation. Like, tell me where this person went and I want to sell to them again. And now a, a, a majority of our conversations are actually more focused on tell me who's leaving my customer account so I can go in for churn prevention. We know that a champion leaving is typically the number two reason for churn. Number one is bad onboarding. But the second one is just, I'm leaving my champion. I realized it's way too late. And then I have my renewal conversation and then it's already too late. So the earlier I know this, the better. So, so what our customers are doing, the, the second uh, we notify them that, that a, their champion left, they go in and look into the white space. Who maybe replaced this person or who should be the person that I actually should have already been in touch a while ago? who should have already received my emails, who should have already been in these meetings, but hasn't been. So it, it, it just turns the approach into a very proactive approach. So I'll go in, I look into the full account, and then I'll try to schedule a meeting as soon as possible, and then try to turn this person, like the new person, into a champion as well. Right. And you still have that relationship with the old person that yes. you can potentially get that new business piece, right? So oh, I, I think it also goes into even the advice you gave before about diving deeper into that account. You shouldn't only have one champion that's there in the first place because you mitigate that risk by just initially by not having that. But then knowing when somebody leaves allows you not only to see, hey, where are they going? What's going on? They might even give you a little bit of insight of, you know, why they left or some of the state of of 
how the company is. Um, but they'll probably still look at you for the next company. And then you have more champions there or, you know, you need to dig deeper. So I think it gives you a good twofold approach um, across the board. Absolutely. And I think it's actually really interesting, like just because churn is now such an important topic, it's actually the first time you really look into, okay, so what are, what are the things I'm doing if my champion leaves? And then actually realizing these are actually the things I should have been doing all along anyway, like bringing in all the other people into the conversation, updating as many people as possible. So I think it, it really makes also the CSM process better if I think about who are the other champions in the organization. And then the only other thing is really the factor of who replaces them. And so this means just as soon as I know that someone is leaving, just being on the lookout for who's their replacement. Yeah. And hopefully there is one. I know a lot of companies might have a lot of silos and companies using one person to run this software that maybe that they were the champion of. And then you sometimes get people that are kind of taking it over or don't know that they're taking it over. So again, even more important, get more people. You know, you can't, it's, it's kind of like the whole, what if this person got hit by a bus tomorrow? Hate to use that analogy. Um, but you, you do need to have, again, going back to multi-threading, you need to have multiple contacts within the organization that understand what you do. Otherwise that renewal comes around and companies might be looking to cut costs, especially now. And you might be on the chopping block and it could have been something that really was benefiting the business. But if you don't have the right champion, who knows? I, I, I call it like being the room where it happens based on, on Hamilton. It's like ultimately we can't be in the room where these decisions are being made, like the renewal conversation, but our champion can be. But the second I lose them, it, mean, it means there's no one in the room who speaks out for me. And so my goal is to create as many people as possible that are in the room where it happens. And then they make sure that the renewal is happening. That's a, a great way to look at it. Um, I, I think a lot of the times, a lot of things with churn, um, especially now are very reactive. Uh, it gives you that insight of, I should be more proactive. I should get more people in that room where it's all happening, even if I'm not part of that. Right. And they're going to fight for me if, if they really believe in what we're doing as a company. I think it also means really good alignment with sales and and customer success because if you're using a tool like user gems or tracking it some other way, which probably is a little bit clunkier, um, <laughs> then you need to be really in lockstep of, hey, we just lost this person at this company. It could give us an opportunity here for sales. It can give us an opportunity for churn prevention. And really, we should come together on both. Yes. Absolutely. Um, we've we seen, as a, this is 100% what, what should happen. I think what makes this a little bit complicated is oftentimes they're leaving and they're not joining for a few weeks and then who's responsible and then who gets commissioned. It's not the CSM being commissioned on the new sales that generated based on the job change. And so I think you need a, a few processes in place if you, if you want to try to do this manually. Right. You need visibility for, for both and process, of course, as RevOps, you know how much I love process. So I know we're, we're wrapping up on time here. Are there any final thoughts you'd like to give our listeners any last piece of advice on how to really optimize that champion for the lifetime value? I think the best advice is really to actually internalize these, this concept across the company. Like I think 
it should be something that everyone in the company thinks about. How can I contribute to this? And that's why I'm saying it actually starts with product, which I think is always very interesting and not obvious because I'm thinking about this maybe from a sales perspective, potentially from a CS perspective, but it's actually really everyone in the organization. And the more internalists, the more everyone thinks a little bit more about this, the more champions I'm ultimately generating. And the, the question is then like, why is this now more important than let's say five years ago? It's just because the frequency of job changes increases every year. And I, I don't think it has stopped by now. So um, every single year, if, if I'm staying on average a year less than like the average was, let's say three years ago, it means there are more people changing the job. It means that I have more options for this lifetime value to, to really make a big impact because this person changes all the time. I love that. I think especially the part about the, the whole company being involved. Yeah, you can be really successful as an individual contributor, going out, seeing where people went, looking at their LinkedIn. But if your whole company is adopting that strategy, uh, you know, it, it pretty much makes you unstoppable. So again, thank you so much for being here. This is a great conversation. I have lots of new ideas on how I want to incorporate that maybe into some account scoring, prioritization, but that's more of a RevOps perspective. Um, if somebody does want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to reach you? I think best way is just uh, either on LinkedIn or just Christian at usergems.com. Thanks so much again. I'm your host, Jenna Sachs. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Sales People podcast.